Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh, let's get ready to rumble. Welcome back, fight fans to another episode of the Big Fight Reaction. And what a explosive episode we've got for you today. Straight off the bat, Jack Catterall, Josh Taylor, robbery is the word I'm going to use for that. One of the worst decisions I've personally seen in boxing for a very long time. And I know it's a subjective sport and fights can be scored either way. But this was a clear and decisive win for a man that was downplayed by a lot of people, including ourselves. We didn't think Jack Catterall would be able to pull a performance like that out of his backside because we'd never seen him in with a fighter like Josh Taylor and he stepped up and he stepped up big time for that fight. Johnston, I really want to know like what your immediate reaction to that result was. I feel sorry for, for Jack. I, I think he's uh, it's a it's such a blow for the lad, you know, he's, he's produced a great performance and he's been robbed of it. He's been robbed of a chance to be able to hold all the titles and be in a position where he can earn a lot of money. He's worked hard for it. He stepped aside. He's been patient. He waited for it. He knew in his mind from, from interviews I'd seen that he, he had Josh's number. Uh, the one thing I will say though, is I do think, although Jack performed the best I've seen him perform, I still there wasn't much difference for me. I think Jack's always shown he's a good boxer. He's always showed that that shoulder, the way he sort of makes himself small. He's got a great jab. He's got a good jab. Um, but I don't think he had to really perform at the top, top level that people have suggested. For me, I think that the, the big problem was, was Josh, Ch- Josh Taylor was really bad. And I think he ended up dropping levels and levels below what we had seen uh, from him. And... 
And that's weird to say, but it's like all the bad luck in terms of his style and how the fight went all came into play in this one fight, but then he got a huge amount of luck for the result because he should he lost the fight. You know, he, I can't find... I mean, there's there's nobody I can find that's said that Josh Taylor's won this fight. I first watched the fight, and I didn't even score it. I was just watching it, and I felt Jack had won that first half of the fight. I thought Josh did come back in stages, but it wasn't enough for me. And I thought, even with a knockdown, I thought that sealed it, and I thought Jack had won the fight. And then when... The decision came in and the uproar that surrounded it. I mean, I was shocked. Everyone on the sky was shocked. Everyone on the social media was shocked. So I immediately take myself away and watch the fight myself, turn all the sound off and just watch it as, and actually score it. And I did score it. And, and this time, when I did do that, I, I was trying to put my, what was Ian John Lewis seeing? You know, like trying to put my mind in the perspective of the judges. And, and even with that, and even if you try to give Taylor certain rounds that were close-ish, even then he, he comes up short, uh, 115, 112. But that's even if you give Taylor 2, 7, 9, 10 and 12. I mean, mate, I, I'm shocked. I, I, honestly, I don't know what's going on. I, I know we're going to have a discussion about what went wrong. I mean, we, do we really know? Will we ever know? Who knows? But the fact of the matter is, three judges and Josh Taylor have all had a horrible night. They certainly had a horrible night. I, I can't fathom what Victor Lachlan and Ian John Lewis were watching on that night. And I don't understand how they was able to justify Josh Taylor winning that fight. One by one round, which was Victor Lachlan, and Ian John Lewis's score was even more in disbelief. You know, he had him three rounds up, 114-111 to Josh Taylor. How did he have him three rounds up when Josh Taylor was not only knocked down, but had a point deducted? at the end of the 11th round. How how did he do that? And I have since seen the scorecards. I posted it out on my Twitter account. And I just, it, it for me, it just, I can't understand what happened with the judges. And, and, and this is why everybody's in uproar about it. We get these decisions a lot. We get some close, contentious decisions. But when one fighter steps into the ring and performs to a level we've not seen him perform to before, or against a higher-level fighter and ultimately beats that higher-level fighter who had a bad night at the office, then how can you not award that decision to the man who's performed better on that night? Isn't that what it's all about? Isn't it about awarding the decision to the fighter who performed better on the night? Josh Taylor, as you say, Johnston, had a bad night at the office, the big question was about his weight and surrounding his weight and would that be an issue? We recorded our preview prior to the weigh-in. After I seen him at the weigh-in, straight away, he looked very gone. He looked he probably looked the worst of seeing him on the scales. You could see his cheekbones very visible and I know it's quite common with fires and we talk about the weight cutting and the issues surrounding weight cutting but I looked at Josh and I thought this is going to be his last fight at 140 for sure. Seeing that, I wasn't sure how he would perform on the night. I honestly thought he would win this fight. I thought he would win it on points, but not in the way that it happened on the night. He struggled with Jack Catterall's style. He was missing a hell of a lot of shots. Jack Catterall made himself so small and so compact that you could see the shots flying past Jack Catterall and hardly landing. Jack Catterall had a lot of success with that left hook and the left over the top. And the punch stats didn't lie at the end of the fight either. With all that in mind, for me, Jack Catterall 
should be the undisputed super lightweight champion right now. And he's been robbed by the judges. Not by Josh Taylor, but by the judges. The judges have robbed him of this life-changing opportunity. And let's be real, this isn't just about him winning the titles. That is a huge mantelpiece. Of course it is. But it's about him changing his life as a human being. He's worked for years and years for this moment. And that moment should have been his. And it was taken away from him by the appointed officials on the night. And as we record this, Robert Smith, the head of the British Boxing Border Control, has stated that there is going to be an investigation into this fight. But how many times before have we seen Robert Smith say there'll be an investigation into a fight and the judges or the officials involved give their explanation of the fight and Robert Smith accepts it and brushes it under the carpet and moves on? How many more times does this have to happen? This is, a, this is a high profile one. I mean, we've seen many bad scorecards over the years. Some of which are really poor. But ultimately, they do pick the right winner in, in a lot of these instances. This is one where two of the three judges have picked the, the for us and for many, many people. Not just the armchair boxing fan, but there's a lot of people with inside of the sport. A lot of boxers publicly coming out and saying... Jack Catterall's been robbed. I've never seen this many fighters, promoters, trainers, I've never seen this many people publicly come out and say this. So for that to happen, doesn't that tell you that Jack Catterall was robbed on that night? It does. It absolutely does. I mean, we can't all be saying the same thing and, and we're all wrong and the, the three judges or the two judges, because obviously there's the two judges that went for Josh, Josh Taylor. But I mean, the fact is, is Vic, Victor Lockwood, I mean, even his card is a bit ridiculous, only by one round. I, don't, I still don't understand that either. Um, it, it, it's just, it's, it, I'm lost for words, mate, honestly. It is, it's it's not good for the sport, is it? You know, um, it's the only sport that does this. this. There's no other sport that could, people can just throw at you, a, it's, it's what they see kind of thing. Um, it, it's difficult to not look at, a broader picture and think well is there something more involved in this because how can two of these judges expect especially in john lewis who do you know what I'm, I'm, he's had a bad night he really has a terrible night what has he watched i have no idea um and but i've got a lot of res respect for the guy he does a lot of work in boxing he's always in box he's been in boxing for a long time he makes mistakes we all make mistakes you know it, it happens um but they're all three experienced judges. Even if one of them has a bad night, you sort of expect the other two to produce the right card. You almost feel like as he filled in the wrong side of the score sheet. That's what I, you know, initially, I've seen that happen before as well, where uh, I can't remember the fight, but a few years ago, it was on Sky as well. And, and, and the judge openly, literally after the fight, said, I filled in the wrong side. Thankfully, the other two judges had it the right way and the guy won by a split decision. It should have been a UD, won by a split D. But... The fact is, is he openly come out and said, look, I've, I've made a mistake. I, I mean, Ian John, I, I just, I've got respect for him because he, he works all the way down to the, 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 the lowest roots, all the way up to the highest. Um, so I'm not going to just absolutely say that he's he's been given a paycheck and a brown envelope. I don't believe that. I don't. I honestly don't think he is that type of guy. Um, I just think he's had a really bad night. And I think two of the judges have. I think Josh has had a bad night. I think the referee had a bad night, to be honest with you. I don't know yep. where he pulls out those 
two point deductions at any point. Um, there was there was nothing there for me that even suggested either of them should have a point taken off. I think the fact of the matter is is that Catchell didn't really have to work that hard for this win. I think that's the thing. Um, Taylor Withery was too hot headed as as Catchell. Maybe he 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 picked up on that because obviously Taylor it took him a while to get into the fight and then by then the fight's gone and he gets put down on his ass. He was slow. Um, he didn't do the right things. He never we never see the Josh Taylor we've seen against Ramirez at all um, or against um, Ro, uh, Pro Gray either. It was a terrible performance from Josh Taylor and it was a better performance than I've seen from Jack Catrell. I honestly don't think Jack has had to do too much to win this fight and he's been robbed of it. And it's horrible for him because he's now in a position where he's never going to get this opportunity ever again. Yes, he may go and fight for another world title. Josh Taylor's got no interest in fighting him again. He wants to move up. He's obviously, the, the excuse is now with a weight. He did look drawn um, a little bit in his face. Um, I mean, I listened to Shane McGuigan recently just to get his, I was interested to see his take on it. And he actually believes that he hasn't got a problem with the weight and he should stay at one forward and shouldn't even be thinking about moving up, which is interesting because I do wonder if that could be a possible reason why they parted ways. And I wasn't happy with Ben Davison either. I don't think he did enough. He said after round eight in the lockdown, I think he's saying we're, we're behind. And then he sort of says, I tried to G him up in the 12th because I thought it was even when he needed to win that 12th, 12th round to win the fight. For me, he didn't do enough. After listening to Shane McGuigan uh, with Lawrence O'Coley last night and the advice he was giving to him and how he was, he picked out negative things in Lawrence's opinion. Lawrence's performance that's what you need in your corner you can't have a yes man and I think Ben Davison is a yes man and I actually think that Josh Taylor if he does decide to move up to 147 he needs to make some changes because I actually think he's gone back in his performances especially after that one that wasn't great at all a lot of people are saying that Ben Davidson is uh, the common denominator in in certain scenarios when they say you look at high-profile fighters that he's been in the corner of, Josh Taylor and Tyson Fury in particular, and you look at some of the worst performances of their careers have happened under his tutelage. Tyson Fury's against Otto Volling, and then you have Josh Taylor now against Jack Cattrall. Yep. Both of them look like they'd regressed in them fights, and that's not out of the realms of possibility because, you know... I'm not suggesting Ben Davidson isn't a good coach. He he came from obscurity and he came straight into the limelight on Tyson Fury's return. And there's a lot of people that seem to have a lot of professional comments to make about him. I don't know if it's envy, envious or jealousy or whatever it is. There's a lot of people within the sport that do make a lot of comments towards him. But that's just not the whole scenario. The whole scenario was Josh Taylor didn't perform on the night. Whatever the excuse was... He didn't perform to the level he was at. And I think what I I lost a lot of respect for with Josh in particular was the fact that he was adamant he won that fight. Even yep. in the post-fight press conference. I watched the post-fight press conference through Eat Sleep Boxing Repeat's YouTube channel. And I saw them both in there. Both Ben and both Josh. Yeah, they won the fight. It was a close competitive fight, but we won the fight. No. How can you stand there as a man, as a fighter, and say you clearly won that fight? So for me, I, I, what needs to happen now is the best case scenario would be if it was independently reviewed, not just in-house. I mean, the British Boxing Board of Control reviewing this in-house is the same as 
Boris's house parties being investigated <laughs> and the minister being from the same cabinet and investigating the house. It doesn't work. It needs to be independent. An independent body needs to come in and investigate it and look at it and go, right, we'll have our own three set of judges to look at this fight and they'll independently score it and then they will give their answer on that. And if they come back and say Jack Catterall wins, for me, the British Boxing Board of Control has to then overturn the decision and probably make it a no contest. I don't think they'll be able to overturn the decision and award the titles to Jack Catterall. It doesn't happen very often, if at all. But I do think that it needs to be made a no contest. That's the ideal scenario uh, for, 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 for Jack at this point. It's not going to repair the damage that's been done, of course. It's not going to give him all the titles because that's what he deserves. Unfortunately for Jack, he he's really, really been put up the creek without a paddle because... No matter what happens, whether they stick to this decision, the British Boxing Board of Control, or whether they overturn it to a no contest, all four of them belts will be split up because Josh Taylor is adamant he's moving up to welterweight. So all them four belts are going to be split up. And all the mandatories in the different organisations, number ones and number twos, will be given the opportunity to fight for it. We've got to remember that Jack Catterall was the WBO mandatory. He'd put himself in that position. He took the step aside to let Taylor and Ramirez fight each other. And there's a lot of information circulating that actually he didn't even get paid to step aside as well. I don't know how true that is, but there's quite a few people coming out and saying that he didn't get paid any step aside money. And these are people that are close to Jack Catterall's camp. So... If that's the case, poor Jack, not only has he been shafted on the step aside, he did the right thing, took a step aside so we could get that bigger prize at the end of it, and then he's been shafted over now by the Border Control's officials by being scored the completely opposite way when it was quite obvious, even to the casual fan, even to a fan that doesn't tune in every week and then tunes in for a big fight. Even a lot of them saw it that way, Jack Catterall winning. So I'm not being funny, like... If professionals within the sport are seeing it this way, the casuals are seeing it this way, many, 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 many thousands of people saw it Jack Catterall's way. But yet them three people who matter the most on the night, two of them couldn't see it the right way. It's just such a shame. It really is such a shame because that could have changed Jack's life. And it's so sad that this has happened. And I really hope that, you know, he does get a bit of justice in some way, shape or form. It's just really sad, and we've had this conversation many times about what can the British Boxing Board of Control do to make things better. I mean, we've mentioned the demotion of judges if they have a bad night at the office, demote them to, to, to the smaller hall shows. I mean, don't get me wrong, a lot of them do go on the small hall shows anyway, and they get big fights. I've seen Howard Foster do small hall shows, Ian John Lewis do small hall, Vita Lachlan do small. They've all done small hall, and they still do small hall. But why should they be given high-profile fights like this? It wasn't yeah. just a, a one-world title, was it? It was four-world titles. It was an undisputed championship bout. And this the ring. Should, exactly, exactly. And this should have been given, if anything, it should have been given to a more high-profile referee, even if they had to bring that referee in. Because it's not just the British Boxing Board of Control. Obviously, they sanction it, but the WBC, WBA, IBF and WBO all have to agree to it as well. And they all agreed that the British Boxing Board of Control officials were fine. And I bet they'll be regretting that decision now, having seen yeah. what's happened here. For me, it needed a high-profile 
set of judges and a high-profile referee. Marcus McDonnell had a stinker, as you said, as a referee. He had an absolute stinker as well. He, he, he was breaking them up way too much. He wasn't letting them fight on the inside. And I think that could have changed the complexion of the fight in, in some ways as well. It might have made it a, a bit of a different fight. Ultimately, when I look back on this fight, Johnson, having, having my sort of final say on, on this before we move on, is... I saw Jack Catterall winning the early rounds of the fight. Between rounds one and six, I would say, being generous to Taylor, Catterall won at least five of them. Yep. So that would make it 5-1 going into round number seven, halfway through the fight. I'd say Taylor did start to come back into that fight, but then he gets knocked down in eight, and he gets a point deducted at the end of 11. So surely, surely, if you're giving him the rest of the other rounds, that still doesn't make him the winner of the fight. So what the hell did did the judges see in rounds two, three, and four, some of the deciding rounds? Because for me, Josh Taylor missed a lot. And it was Jack Catterall who had the better work, the cleaner punches landed. And and that's how I saw the fight. I saw that fight as a Jack Catterall win. I saw him win, Jack Catterall winning, I think by about two, three rounds. But some had it closer than that. Some had some had it one thirteen, one twelve. I, I, if anything, I had it more one fifteen, one twelve. I thought that was more yeah. how I saw this fight. No matter how 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 close you score it, Jack Catterall should have been the winner. And and for me, I hope the British Boxing Board of Control do something and do the right things because if they don't, a lot of people are going to stop watching this sport. And there was a lot of people on social media that turned around and said, I'm sick of this. I'm, I don't want to watch the sport anymore. Jamie Moore talking about his own son getting into boxing. Why, why would he let his own son get into this sport when this is what happens? It's going to turn a lot of people off the sport, a decision like this. And, and I know it does happen all the time uh, with bad cards, but this is just one of the worst. This is such a high-profile fight that it's happened in. And if it's happening at the very highest level like this, then really there isn't much hope for those that are trying to get into the sport. No, um, I, I mean the only other card I remember that sort of had me scratching my head was uh, Fury Wild One, and uh, that ended up being a draw for me. Fury won that fight, but then there were aspects of that fight because Fury was put down. So on on that side, I could sort of make an, a, I could I could see an argument there. There was a slight argument there. Uh, Jonas and Taylor um, was another close fight, but again, it was a close fight. It was going either way. Um, in terms of how this fight went, watching it without scoring it, sort of listening to the judging and sort of having sharing the, the same opinion as them, Taylor was losing the fight pretty badly. He just didn't look the same. He looked just completely at sea at times. And, and as I say, Catterall just didn't really need to do much to take those early stages. I think he'd just done enough. And it was comfortable for him. And um, he looked really good because Taylor was terrible. And, um, I mean, look, they both had a point taken off. Catterall had a point taken off. God knows why. And Taylor did too. So even when Taylor, uh, after the knockdown, he comes back, he, he does win the ninth for me. Um, and then Catterall sort of, he, he sort of steps back and then obviously he loses again because uh, I, think it, I think it was the 10th or the 11th when he got his point taken away. Uh, it, it's sort of irrelevant because it sort of evened itself out. So with those two points taken away from the referee, which I thought was just ridiculous, and then the knockdown, I mean, it was about 114-111, and that's being nice to Taylor. That's giving Taylor more hands than I probably did if when I watched it the first time. You know, I wouldn't argue with the fact that it's uh, like a 110-109 Taylor and, and a 115-116 Catwell. It, it could be five. It could even be six. Six is probably a bit harsh, but I could say five. 
quite comfortable. I mean, it doesn't really matter, does it? I think that's that's the fact is there. Even if you want to go close with it, Catterall still wins. It's like, it, it, I would love to know what Ian John Lewis, I would love to know. I mean, they protect their, their judges. And I think the other point is, Nobody wants to be a boxing judge, do they? Let's be honest. Um, there, there's not a, a batch of young blood coming through in terms of wanting to judge. No one really wants to do it. And I think so you end up with the same judges on the same sh- same shows. But then with it being an undisputed fight, I mean, you, you've got four different organisations. Each one could have picked a referee and a judge. You know, it wouldn't have mattered if they were from... Uh, any other continents or any any other countries around the world? Why did they all have to be sort of British? Just because it was a British fight, it didn't. It, it probably would have been better if you had no British judges at all, and you just had um, a completely random ones from each organisation or something. I don't know. Look, I think I think the, the idea of it, them investigating it, and then actually making it a no contest would do Catterall a bit of justice, and it would sort of. It would help boxing a little bit, I think, if a decision like that is ever made. I doubt it, but, you know, you can only hope. I suppose that is, that's the only thing we can say. It's just bad. People that haven't really, like you said, don't watch boxing all the time like we do, and they're probably going to be like, what's the point of watching these big fights? Because it's always going to go with the A-sided fighter. Um, it's, it's shit to say, but it's the truth. And we've said it numerous times, haven't we? How many times have we had a British fighter go to America, go to Germany and go, well, you know, they're going to have to win every single round, already a few rounds down. We sat about Canelo jokingly, but Canelo normally is a couple of rounds up before he's even started. That is, that is, that's something that needs to change within the sport. And yeah, we don't have the answer, Sean, but it does need to be addressed. Certainly does need to be addressed. And what a shame for Jack Catterall. And I'm sure there'll be a lot more talking points about this over the coming weeks as we find out. Yeah what the investigation comes to in terms of its conclusion and hopefully it'll be the right conclusion but we have got obviously other fights uh Lawrence Okolai and, and Mikhail Sislak happened last night so we will talk about that shortly but just a little recap on this particular card at the SSE Hydro uh, I, I like to see uh Robzai Ramirez uh, beating Eric Donovan in three rounds he was uh, a really class class act and a class performance against Donovan and I wasn't sure what to expect I, I was expecting a good fight I did say this could be an explosive fight and one to watch on the card and, and in terms of Skill levels, it was. It was great. It was a great watch in, in the division. And obviously, R- Ramirez comes out of it with a great, great victory now and, and, and moves on in his career after that blemish on his record. And I think this will be an interesting time to see where he goes next throughout his career. Uh, Johnston, there was obviously Nick Campbell and Jay McFarlane, which was, in terms of quality, probably the poorest fight on the card. Uh, it, was, it was quite poor in quality, that fight. I think... Jay McFarlane, clearly out of shape, clearly not in the greatest of conditions. And Nick Campbell, you know, at times didn't even look in the greatest of condition. And I know Nick Campbell, obviously, is more of a novice than Jay McFarlane. But, you know, in terms of an advert for the Scottish area heavyweight title, it wasn't a great one, put it that way. The quality of it was was quite poor, to be honest with you. I've seen, I've probably seen better white collar fights than that. And that, and that is saying something. Um, so that... Wasn't great to watch. Uh, John Doherty got a win. Ebony Jones got a uh, a draw, which she was quite controversial about on social media. Uh, yesterday in particular, if you've not seen her interactions with Jane Couch and Lisa Whiteside and Ebony Bridges, I'd highly recommend you go and view them because it's quite entertaining to look at. Uh, then you had Paddy Donovan, you had Kurt Walker, great performances, great victories on this particular card as well. And I, I as a whole, I thought it was an 
okay card. Uh, I wouldn't say any more than that. I think the Ramirez fight and the Taylor fight were the two for me that I was really looking forward to. And in, in many ways, they, they did deliver. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Um, it, it wasn't a magnificent card. It wasn't. Uh, there were, I think, I think the, 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 the one thing, the lingering fact is, is that you're just going to remember this fight for how much of a terrible decision this fight, the main event was. Um, it sort of overshadows anything that ever happened in that night. And, um, you know, t- credit to Sky, you know, they've, they've put on some decent shows over the last few weeks with Eubank Williams and then obviously Brooke Kahn was, was a good fight. Um, and in this one, you, you sort of felt that this was going to be the better one. Um, and it just, it failed to, 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 to deli- well, yeah, it delivered. It just, it failed to deliver a, a right verdict. And um, I just feel so sorry for Cat. I just can't get past that. I, I'm just, I don't even know. Oh, he's just got to pick himself up, the poor kid. He literally has to pick himself up and go again. Um, it, it, it's not, it's cruel. It really is. And yeah, it, it sort of just, it just puts a right dampener on the card for me. Um, I have to he also admit, I know we we're going to move on to last night's fights, but to just get myself motivated to watch those fights last night, to be honest with you, because I felt so deflated for the poor kid. It, it was hard, yeah, it was hard, you're right, because obviously you, you come out of that card and that's all you can think about. You can, All you can think about is the injustice that, that has happened there. And I went into last night's boxing on zone as thinking, you know, is we going to have something similar tonight? Is there going to be another event that's going to happen that's just going to even more diminish people's faith in, in the sport of boxing? But actually, it wasn't too bad, to be fair. Uh, it was good to see Siobhan Clark get a win, a KO win on his debut. Campbell Hatton looked a much more improved fighter, stopping Joe Ducker in the sixth round, the final round of their scheduled six. Then you had the Australian heavyweight, Dempsey McKean, who won on points over eight rounds. Fabio Warder continued his impressive record with a KO in two rounds. And then moving up the card into the the other fights, Galal Yafai making his debut over ten rounds. Looked really impressive, picking up that vacant WBC international flyweight title putting his opponent, Carlos Vardo Batista, down in the fifth round prior to Batista's corner stopping it. It was a really impressive performance for him. I feel like they are going to fast-track him quite quickly. But I saw a lot of people within the sport yesterday, many journalists saying, is Galal Yafai going to be fast-tracked too quick? Or do you think he's talented enough, Johnston, to be fast-tracked? Very much like Lomachenko was. And I'm not making that comparison as fighters i'm just saying that lomachenko came out with all that amateur experience and was able to just go straight into a world title fight in his second fight but because it's the flyweight division and the depths of the division aren't so great surely this gives your fire the opportunity to progress quite quickly i think if there's any division you could do it in i think it's this one i do um not many people look too you know, don't look, really look at the flyweight division um let's be honest uh, some people just refuse to um you know, for your pro debut to go ten rounds, um, and uh, and it will not go ten rounds, but being a ten rounder and, and finish within five, I think it's it's credit to him. He showed really good strength. He showed good punch um, techniques. You know, he, he he got hit probably a few too many times, but he was in there against the guy that wasn't really a big hitter, so he got away with that. Um, but he's got all the skills. Um, to, to go on in a, in a division that isn't as stacked. You know, it's not as stacked with so many fighters as other divisions are. I mean, he, he gets his first win, knockout, 
professional debut is up to five in Britain already. You know, <laughs> he's in the top hundred already in the world from box rec. That just sort of shows you the depth of of the division, and um, you know, a few more wins, and he could be in a world title fight by his tenth professional fight, which is incredible. But look, your fire's got great ability. He's got two other brothers that he obviously could could learn a lot from and pull on great sparring for him. So there's no reason why he can't. Like you do worry, you know, uh, moving him on too quickly because he hasn't got that professional experience. Um, but why not? It's, it's, it's a good opportunity and he's a good fighter. And he's definitely one that he, he adds a bit of value to the division on our perspective. And I think he's, he's put some eyes on it. I think Eddie was saying that as well, that he he's, he's not that far away. I know he's only just started, but give him probably a two years to a year and he'd probably be on the cusp of a world title shot. Wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. There is a risk of obviously moving him along too quickly, but I suppose I suppose as long as they give him the right opponents and test him at the right levels, then there's no reason why he can't step up, given the depths of the division. I think that, for me, is quite important. Like, yeah, okay, it's not stacked as many other divisions, but in terms of world-class ability, I think he's shown that he, he's already got that, and I think it's just a case of putting him in, you know, in the next 10 fights with higher level opponents each time, even if it's only slightly higher the next time round. Within 10 fights, I'd love to see him fight for a world title. I think by fight number 11, I wouldn't be objective of saying he should be fighting for a world title. I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree with it because I think he'll have had the right level of experience then. If they put him in in his second or third fight, maybe I'd be a little bit concerned about that level of experience, you know, not having an opponent on that level. But then, I mean, we've seen fighters step up to the mark with all that amateur experience and transition it very well over to the program, so you just never know. We'll see. I'm I'm, I'm interested to see yeah. how his, his progression goes because you know there is there is some good potential fights for him out there over the course of the next couple of years. Uh, moving on, then Johnston Anthony Fowler returned with a unanimous decision last night on the card. Looked pretty laboured at times in his return to the ring, but also looked quite quite good against his, his Polish opponent Lukas Masic. I thought he was was pretty decent in, in spells. Uh, I don't know where he's going to go now. He's moved up to the middleweight division. He came in at 163 pounds for this fight. I'm interested to see where where he wants to go throughout his career because we've got some good middleweight domestic prospects out there. I mean, Anthony Fowler moving up to the middleweight division wouldn't be out of the realms of possibility of fighting someone like a Felix Cash soon. You know, Anthony Fowler's already been in a couple of high-profile fights throughout his career, and Felix Cash is is certainly looking to continue his progression up there. So that could be a future fight for him but we'll see we'll see how they're progressing now now he's back in the ring and he's moved up to the middleweight division so i'm going to move on to the next fight before we go into the headline the akolai and shizlak fight the fight before that the karim gweffi and jordan gill fight that was for me the fight of the night it really was the fight of the night now going into this fight jordan gill had an opportunity to to really get that redemption he's been looking for. And at points of this fight, it looked like he wasn't going to get it. I thought Greffy put on a superb performance. Jordan Gill was down in the seventh round, and I thought it was going to be good night Vienna for Jordan Gill. And then we get into round number nine, and Greffy's got him, and he's, he's bullying him on the ropes. And out of nowhere, Jordan Gill throws a hook which lands right on the money, and it just completely takes out Gweffy. Spark out. The referee has to call it off. He's, he's completely knocked out. Eyes glazed over the lot. And it was one of their moments in boxing that will go down on the highlight reels. It was a one-punch KO. Like, 
it was coming back from from the brink. It was one of them fights where you see the fighter looks like he's he's ready to go, and all of a sudden he pulls this punch from out of nowhere and ends the fight. And this is exactly what this was. So if you haven't seen it, I'm guessing you guys listening probably already have. But if you haven't seen it, you should go and watch it. There's many fights I could could compare this to, many high profile fights. But this was one of them nights where it was something I wasn't expecting. I thought Jordan Gill was taking another loss here. And for him to pull that out of his backside, well, it was fantastic to see. Yeah. Um, I mean, with Jordan as well, I mean, I, I, in my head, I, I felt that he would just win the fight by decision uh, quite comfortably. Uh, Giffrey, Giffrey, is that how you pronounce his name? I'm terrible when you know what I'm like with names. Uh I mean, I do, I do remember when he uh, fought McCulloch because it Lee McCulloch and he got done with a body shot in that first round. Uh, Lee McGregor, sorry, um, yeah, and um, yeah, body shot though. So I mean, to, to, for him to get caught on the chin like that by Jordan Gill, who isn't really well known for his power punching, um, let's say. Uh, I mean, what eight knockouts in what twenty nine fights? It's it's a shock. It was a shock, but sometimes it happens. I mean, that's that's the that's the thrill, uh, Jordan, the the thrill, Gil. That's that's what he can bring to your boxing. Um, brilliant, though. I mean, fantastic for him. He's got the win. Um, I, I was really surprised to see him get the final punch. But you know, sometimes when your back's against the ropes, I mean, Nigel Ben was the best for it. You know, you're going to look at anyone. Nigel Ben was a, a monster when he was down and out. He'd, he'd come back out of nowhere. So maybe. Uh, Gill's uh, tapped into his inner Nigel Ben and <laughs> got himself a great win there. Yeah, uh, but yeah, great for him. Hopefully, he can move on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the other thing you mentioned with with uh, with Fowler, uh, the 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 tough Polski, uh, the Polish fella. Cool, he was up for it, wasn't he? He ain't going nowhere. Never been knocked out. That guy will never get knocked out. He he can take a punch, mate. I'm telling you. Um, yeah, it's great. I love that though. I mean, we were talking about the main event. Another Polish guy that's just got. A really good chin, and you know, a bit like we were saying in, in the preview show, when you have Mexicans and and po- Polish fighters, Russian fighters, like Eastern European or Mexican fighters, they they just there's there's a mold in these guys where they're just so solid, and if you get rid of them, it's a great knockout on your resume. So let's move into the main fight then, Lawrence Okolai versus Mikhail Sislak, and I was. Very surprised about how this fight went down, as it went down. When you looked at the first round and you see how much Lawrence Okolai hurts his lack in the first round, I thought it was going to be a very early night at the office for Okolai. But in some ways, I'm kind of glad it wasn't, because at the end of it, whilst it became a very scrappy affair throughout the fight, and it sort of harked back to the time when he had some of them really messy fights with the likes of Matty Askin and Isaac Chamberlain. A lot of people starting to think, oh God, not this again. Not not the Lawrence Coli <laughs> of old. And, and, and I can imagine why people would have felt that way. But actually, for me, wanting him to, to, to see him do well, I actually thought it was a good experience for him. You know, he was defending that WBO Cruiserweight title. He had Shislak down in the fifth round from a right to the head. He dominated the first half of that fight, but the second half of the fight, I felt like, got a little bit sloppy. It became a bit more difficult for him. Obviously, Shizlak wasn't going anywhere. He had a chin on him. He was he was getting some good punches off. Lawrence got hit a few a few times in this fight where you know I was starting to question, you know, would he be able to take a punch from a big punching fighter? I don't think Shizlak really really sort of dented him, so to speak. He had 15 KOs on his record going into this fight out of out of 20 two fights so he wasn't you know he was a pretty decent puncher but 
Lauren stood up to that, but it makes me wonder if he gets hit by a heavyweight when he eventually moves up, will he be able to take it? And obviously it's another question we'll, we'll have to find out when he does move up to heavyweight. But for this fight, it was good to see him go 12 rounds. Whether you like the fact that it was, you know, a 12 round fight or not, whether you like the fact it was a, a, or don't like the fact it was a sloppy fight, at the end of the day, this guy, Lawrence Coli, he needed the rounds. He needed to get these rounds in because when he goes in there and fights the big names, i.e., Marius Bredis, who, who dressed up like Super Mario and came <laughs> yeah. in, came into the ring or came to ringside and gave him a McDonald's after the fight, which was quite, uh, <laughs> quite funny. Harking back to Lawrence's days of working in McDonald's, uh, you know, when he gets this fight against Bredis, which has got to happen next. You know, he needs to be ready for it. And Bradis is not going to be the sort of guy that goes away after two, three, four rounds. Bradis, I would imagine, will go the distance with Lawrence Okolai. I think that'll be a distance fight. And I think it was this type of a fight with a tough fighter who could really spoil and upset and cause problems for Okolai. I think he needed this experience for me personally. He was getting on a really good roll. And like you said earlier in the episode, you talked about Shane McGuigan's instructions. His instructions were spot on. He was telling him to use his jab. He's telling him, use that jab. Use that jab one, two, straight down the middle. He was talking to him a lot throughout the fight, pointing out where he needed to change things. And I think Lawrence Okolai having Shane in his corner is the best move he's made for his career. And I hope that continues that relationship because I do think taking Shane with him into the biggest fight of his career against Brady is what he needs. He needs someone like that who's had the big fight experience in a corner. Shane, Shane's a man. He's one of the best trainers in the country. So I think he's got a great trainer and a great team behind him. And I think this fight, he needed it to get that experience. And I know it was sloppy. I know it wasn't great to watch at times. And yeah, it looked really crap. But for me, he needed it. He needed an experience like this at this level to take him there to that big fight with Brady's. And you're absolutely spot on, mate. Um, it, it doesn't do anyone any favours if you're just bowling them out of the ring. Because when... The going gets rough in there against uh, a classy operator in uh, Breedis as well. He really is. I mean, I remember the Usyk fight. I know it's 2018, but I think that's probably one of Usyk's hardest fights I've ever seen Usyk in. Um, Usyk did not have it all his own way, and we all know how much of a good boxer he is. And Breedis on his night has got the ability. I know he's 37 years of age. But, you know, he's a guy that's going to cause Lawrence a world of problems. And the one thing with Lawrence, I mean, he's got that long left lever that he sort of leaves out there and then he throws that right in through the pipe. When he keeps his distance, he's a big puncher. I mean, you you heard that. For, that first right hand he landed on Sislak in the, in the very first round and, and and somehow Sislak did stay up. Credit to him, um, although he sort of buckled over on the ropes after. You know, he took that punch. And, and when he gets his distance in Lawrence and he, and he can find that range and that timing... And follow it up with another one as well. I mean, that's the one thing he was throwing, the jab and sort of the feeler out. And then what happened was the Sizzlack worked it out and he ended up getting in close and spoiling it. And it turned into one of those, you know, had those moments of those ugly spells and it was messy. But, you know, Shane McGuigan is perfect in his corner. The one thing I do notice with Lawrence is when he does throw that right hand and it doesn't connect, or even if it does and it hits on the gloves, it's when he's coming back. I think he doesn't get out quick enough. And I think Breedis will be looking at that and he will be aware of it. There's not nothing spectacular what Lawrence Okoli does. It's just because he has the power. But he needs to be able to follow up following that right hand. Or even if he chucks one into the body and then comes back with a left, you know, just throw in three, four punch combinations 
because he has the power and the physique to push a fighter back. Even if he doesn't hit him cleanly all the time, it can disrupt a flow and a rhythm and he can find himself that bit of space that he needs and then he can continue to put the pressure on. When he's at, when he's at range... He is fantastic to watch. And you think it's only a matter of time before he's going to knock him out. And that's what Shane kept telling him. Don't stand in front of him and keep changing the angles. You know, all, all fantastic advice. And then afterwards, he was critical in his performance, but also praising him in certain aspects of it. Exactly what you need in the corner. Someone like that who's going to be honest with you. And that's the only way you're going to develop into fire, a, a great fighter. And I mean, look, he's only had 18 fights. He's a world champion. He's a baby. He, I know he's like 30, 29 when I'm 30, but, you know, I think it looks like he's going to have one more fight because obviously Breedis has got that mandatory against the Australian guy. So Breedis hopefully gets through that. And then, you know, we did. I did say uh, quite, I think Lawrence is going to have three fights this year. I still believe that. I think he'll have one more fight in in, the, in between this one, the that fight, and Breedis. And then I think Breedis will be at the end of the year. I do believe that'll happen. Well, that'll be a good way to plan out the rest of 2022. And I do hope that it pans out that way because I'd like to see this fight. I want to see him fight for, for, for the world title Brady's currently holds and I want to see him move up to heavyweight and see how he gets on there. But it was great yeah. to see him back in the ring. It was great to see him getting 12 rounds, going the distance, having a tough fight, having to adapt to, to a guy who wanted to spoil his way through the rest of the fight. And I enjoyed seeing this. This this is what he needed. I honestly think like fighters do need these tests at this level. They need it because when they get into the higher profile fights, as we've seen before in the past, they're going to get found out. It's as simple as that. They always do. These fighters move up. It, it only takes a special talent to be able to step up. And there's not many of those guys out there that can do it. And we know that. There's only a, a select handful of fighters that will ever go on to do this type of thing in their career. You know, move, moving into their career so quickly and being fast-tracked so quickly. When you're a guy like Lawrence, who's got into the sport a little bit later uh, and seemingly not as had as much amateur experience, you know, as, as others... And obviously, he got into the Olympics, of course, 2016, and, and, and went through that route. But, you know, he needed this fight. And I'm just happy yeah. he got it. And he's happy he got it before Brady's. And he hopefully, he will be given another fight similar to this that will give him another different test ahead of the Brady's fight. And then, really, as fans, we'll have a bit more confidence going into the Brady's fight that he'll actually be able to beat him. And I think that's what we need. We need we need to see that he's, he's ready for it. Ideally... A good fight against another tough opponent next is what I'd want to see. I don't want to see uh, a fight that's going to bowl over so easily. I think another tough opponent will, will do him the world of good. The rounds will do him the world of good. So let's see what happens with him. I'm, I'm excited to see you know, if he gets his Brady's fight by the end of the year. So they're, they're the two big fights of the weekend that we wanted to cover. But there were some other fights on. Some results that I, I spotted over the weekend. I didn't necessarily get to see the full fights. But I saw the results. I saw Guillermo Rigondo get beat over over 10 rounds this weekend. He got floored in the fight in Dubai this weekend. And I think that's, uh, for me, good night Vienna for Rigondo and his career. Yeah. I think he definitely needs to call time on his career. Uh, and that was, a, that was a, a bit of a shocker as well. And over in America, there was Chris Colbert, the, the prospect Chris Colbert got beat in his fight, which was again a bit of a a bit of a shocker, really. A lot of people in America have been following Colbert and expecting him to do big things, and he gets uh, he gets upset in his fight, which I which I thought was uh, quite interesting to see. He got beat by the late replacement Hector Luis Garcia, and he got put down in round seven. And you know, as a result of that, loses his WBA gold world super featherweight title, and then also on the same card, Herwin Ankaraz got beat of Fernando Martinez as well, uh, another supposed 
upset for the IBF World Super Flyweight title over 12 rounds. So there's two big wins over the weekend for Martinez and Garcia and, and, and back to the drawing board for Colbert and Ankaraz. And also on that card was Gary Antoine Russell, the brother of Gary Antonio Russell and the other Russells of the family. He actually picked up the vacant WBA Continental America super lightweight title over Victor Postol with a TKO in the final round of their scheduled 10-round fight. So they were the results from the weekend. Uh, the, the reaction to this episode has all been about Josh Taylor and Jack Catterall, of course, and, and where this actually goes following this episode and in the, the weeks coming. Um, we genuinely hope something changes within the sport. I've even seen a petition going round uh, for people to sign it. I have. I've genuinely seen a petition going round for people to sign it, and thousands of people have already signed it. Not that it's probably going to make a great deal of good. I love the sentiment of it, but really, the it all, it all lies with the British Boxing Board of Control and then doing a, a thorough and a proper investigation into this fight. And if they do it correctly, and we get the outcome that we suggested earlier, which is a no contest, and Jack Catterall either gets a rematch or he gets a, a guaranteed shot at, at, at all the titles, then maybe maybe I'll be satisfied with that. But other than that, it was just one of them nights in British boxing that has just caused so much uproar in the sport, more than I think it's ever caused as of recent times. I feel so sorry for Jack, and I'm just hoping that, for the love of the sport, for for the sake of the sport, that the right outcome happens. Yeah, I mean, the fact is, do you know what? I honestly don't think any. You know, I think Josh is going to take this win and move up to one four seven. Um, honestly, I don't. I don't think there's going to be any change. I would love. We can. We can hope, but. I think if anything, the one thing that happen is those those belts would be divvied up, and then I think Catwell will probably will get a shot at his WBO title. He'll get a chance to fight for a world title, but you're never going to get the chance to be in someone's backyard to have outboxed one of the best pound for pounders in the world right now, and to be you know just on the cusp of winning, being an undisputed champion. That chance is just never going to happen for Catwell again. Unless Taylor decides he's going to stay at the weight, he's not gonna. He just isn't. And then I think that's the biggest shame. You never, he's never going to get that chance back, is he? He's never going to get that opportunity back. Even if he fights a world title again, he's still going to feel well done by. But for him, he has to put it in the back of his mind. And the other thing I was, I do worry about is if Josh Taylor does get an opportunity again. You know, if he does move up, he gets a world title shot. I don't want there to be a situation where he ends up getting robbed because of what's happened. For this fight, you know how sometimes it works out that way. It's, it's funny the way things go, and I do. I'm not saying it's. I, I don't know. I must say there is corruptness somewhere in the sport. I don't think it lied, I you know, absolutely on Ian John Lewis's shoulders. I don't. Um, or the other, you know, any, the two judges. I don't think it it did. I just think that I don't know what I'm saying, really, Sean. I just I think <laughs> I just get lost in it, mate. I really do. I'm I'm trying to find something to try and make sense of it all and I just think I think the only thing we can do is say that load of people all in one building have made an absolute fucking mockery it is just a disgrace it really is I just uh, you know even the thing is even in football oh I love my football analogies but you know when you watch a game of football and someone's been battered for 90 minutes and then the other team go and nick a last minute goal I suppose that's the sort of the, the, the deflation feeling I can compare it with but even then, you know, football's completely different. It's not a subject, subjective theory. If you batter someone in a football pitch, a referee ain't going to stop it. 
Um, it's, 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 it's the time limit. And boxing's just so fucking awful, isn't it? It really is a terrible sport at times. How much we love it, but then sometimes it just leaves such a bad taste in your mouth and it just it ruins it for, for, every, for everyone, really. Um, and and I, just, I hope that Josh Taylor looks at his fight and goes, you know what? I got beat and I got away with one. There's nothing wrong with saying that. He should have said that. And Ben Davis should have turned around and said, I don't even know. We lost the fight. I think that's what they should be doing. Just that gives the, the sport a little bit more integrity. But to be holding on to the fact they think they won it is just a sham as well. I think the whole thing stinks. And it just, mate, I, I, I don't think anything's going to get done, no, Sean. I'm I'm, I'm honestly very, feeling very negative about it, to be honest. Um, it's a bit of a shit way to end it. But um, just, I suppose that just, I just hope Jack gets another chance and he can produce the goods and win a world title. We'll see what happens, won't we, over the next coming weeks. Uh, we can't really sort one injustice out by handing out an injustice to somebody else. That that really no. isn't isn't the way to deal with this situation. But what needs to happen is, you know, the the rules and the way judges score the fights need to be looked at, and they need to be reviewed, and things need to be put into place. Independent panels need to come in. It needs to be changed. It's as simple as that. The whole process needs to be ripped out and started from top to bottom. It really does. It really needs sorting out. It, it, that That's the problem here, isn't it? We've been harking on about yep. poor scorecards for a good couple of years now, and it's come to a point when such a high-profile fight, and it's sad that it's taken such a high-profile fight and such an injustice to happen for things to really, really come out and, and, and people speak about it more often. Like how many fighters have come out? How many promoters have come out? And the one thing I haven't mentioned before I end this episode is I'll give credit to Ben Shalom because he came out and he actually said he it. He did. I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed. I'm, I'm disgusted at being affiliated with this promotion, promoting this show, and this has happened on it. And this is coming from a guy who has come into the sport a completely different way, a bit of an unconventional way. He didn't have his dad, who was a promoter for him, like Eddie Hearn did. Do you know what I mean? He didn't come into it this way. He came into a different way. And I remember meeting Ben when he first got into the sport, and he was just soaking everything up like a sponge. And now, seemingly, he's put three high-profile fights on over the past month. And this one, the highest of them all, an undisputed title fight, and he's just gone to shit because of this. And and, and I'm, I'm glad he's spoken out about it. I'm glad he has. And I'm glad a lot of people have spoken out about it. Nigel Travis, Jamie Moore, Carl Frampton, Barry Jones, everybody who's everybody has spoken out even about Adam it. Even Adam Smith. Even Adam Smith, yeah. He's got his own agenda on Sky Sports. He even, even he's come out about it. So for me, if all these collectively get together and, and push the British Boxing Board of Control and force them to change something, maybe a change is going to come. Maybe, or maybe not. And we'll leave it on that note. <laughs> we'll leave it on that note for this episode. And I'd like to thank everybody, as always, for listening. Thank you for tuning in to YouTube. Thank you for tuning in on all the audio platforms and leaving us ratings and leaving us reviews. If you want to follow us on social, it's at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter. And the Facebook page is BTR Boxing Podcast Network, as well as on Instagram too. Please do go and give us a follow. Share your thoughts about this fight and let us know what you think should happen next on this one thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next big fight preview
Social Podcast Network.